0: Hello, my friends. Big show today. I'm in the field covering the Tamara Leach trial in Ottawa while all my colleagues were across Canada covering the Million Parent March against gender ideology. I was trapped listening to the testimony in the trial while my friends were out there doing the good stuff. We got so much video footage for you today. I want you to see it, not just hear it. So please go to RebelnewsPlus.com. Click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And that may not be a lot of money to you, but it really adds up for us. Eight bucks a month gives you the video version that's rebelnewsplus.com all right here's today's podcast tonight big day in ottawa tamara leach's trial and a nationwide march of a million folks in support of parental rights over gender theory. It's September 20th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. (laughs) Shame on you, you censorious thug. Hi everybody, Ezra LeVant here for Rebel News. I'm in Ottawa at the continuing trial of Tamara Leach and her co-defendant, Chris Barber. Behind me, if you can see it, that brutalist building is the very ugly Ottawa Courts building. So instead, I'm gonna turn around and have a prettier piece of architecture. There is some gorgeous uh, buildings in Ottawa, so let's look at that instead. Uh, in court, I came a little bit early and I saw Chris Barber arrive uh, with his lawyers and I saw Tamara Leach arrive with her lawyers. Had a little bit of a chat with them as it came in. And then I went in, the trial was scheduled for 10 a.m., but it got off to a slow start and then immediately was bogged down in sort of procedural housekeeping issues. And I started to think, hmm, I thought this trial would be sort of humming along smoothly now as it's been going on for more than two weeks. But I realized what a mess it's been, how the prosecution, because they switched Crown prosecutors on this case a few months ago for the first year, The prosecution was led by an uh, absolutely maniacal, vendetta-driven prosecutor named Moise Karimji, who was so hot tempered and foul mooded that I think the Justice Department said, we're gonna lose it simply by virtue of this guy's atrocious personality. And so just a few months ago, they sacked Moise Karimji as the prosecutor and put in a new team, but of course, the bulk of the Crown's case had been done. So these new lawyers who, from what I can tell, are sort of normal prosecutors, not motivated by a crazy ideological vendetta. I'm not saying that casually. Moise Karimji, senior donor to the Liberals, just a crazy blogger, tweeter, you know, really a communist. And, you know, it's, it's it showed good judgment by the Justice Department to knock him off the case, but, you know, the cake was half-baked. And now you've got these two new prosecutors trying to salvage it. It doesn't look good. You know, uh, the Democracy Fund and Rebel News have crowdfunded literally thousands of court cases for people charged with various offenses during the pandemic, during the lockdowns. And hundreds of them have simply been dropped or stayed or withdrawn by the prosecution because there was nothing there. The tickets were issued by police who were being overly aggressive the laws were poorly thought through and maybe were unconstitutional. Or, you know, on review, it just wasn't worth the government's time to prosecute and to have judge. So, for whatever reason, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases have been dropped without trial. And Tamara Leach's case is obviously one such case. I mean, inciting mischief or whatever. And, like, it's just so laughable that you would have two prosecutors, a judge, and dozens and dozens and dozens of days in court set aside for an incitement to mischief trial. Uh, if it weren't for the political reputation and the fact that the Crown and the prosecutors and Trudeau doesn't want to lose face, this would be one of the hundreds of cases that was withdrawn or abandoned, just like the no-name cases around the country. The only reason this prosecution is proceeding is because Tamara Leach is famous, and because so many politicians have demonized her, so they have to see it through. I actually feel slightly sorry for the prosecutors who have to make that work. I don't think it's working, and that was very quickly evident to me. This trial is sort of broken, and I think this is the third witness, and it's been more than two weeks, and the government says they have 20 more witnesses, and if it continues at this laughable pace, this'll be a trial that takes the rest of the year. And you know, there's there's a judgment call the prosecutors have to make. Is the case, is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? I'm not sure if that's here. Judging from the witness just sort of rambling on about his personal feelings of the lockdown and and, so, and the convoy, I don't know if they have a case against her, but the second test is, is it in the public interest? And there is a serious judge on the bench here. She was the same judge that oversaw the prosecution of Vice Admiral Mark Norman. You might remember that case from a few years back. He did something to cross Justin Trudeau. So Trudeau whipped up a case, basically tried to frame um, Mark Norman. And there was this whole trial and then there was some prosecutorial misconduct that was discovered halfway through the trial. And so there was a very speedy dismissal and uh, the government was humiliated, they apologized. I think they paid his legal fees this same judge oversaw that so what i like about that is this judge knows the kind of political bs that is sometimes in this tale and there is no simply no way that she can't detect that same bs here in this case and what i want to point out is that the witness who i i mean i did listen to this witness his name was kim ayotte he's a city manager for ottawa in charge of emergency things so yes he was involved with the um City's response to the convoy, absolutely. But he testified today that he never once had any interactions with Tamara Leach, never once. I don't think he's ever met her to this day. He had a brief interaction with Chris Barber, the co-defendant, but it was all about how to keep lines of communication open between the city and the truckers and how to move some trucks away from residential areas to other places. So it was actually a very positive interaction if I understood his testimony for half an hour today he described a walkabout he did he just went for a walk and he went on this street and that street and he saw this truck and he saw that bouncy castle and the whole time i'm thinking okay i'm ready for your point okay this is a trial of two people who are charged with a very specific criminal uh charge you have to prove certain elements of the charge what they did i'm ready for it i'm waiting for it and it never came it just never came and And he's been going for two or three days now. And he's just sort of meandering. It reminded me of that TV show, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, What We Do in the Shadows. It's a vampire comedy. And it's a very obscure, quirky comedy. And they have these vampires who speak with European accents and it's very funny. But there's this character in this comedy called Colin Robinson and they always call him by his first name and last name. And he doesn't look like a vampire at all. He calls himself an energy vampire. And he's just the kind of person that maybe you know of in your office who is just so irritating and speaks so slowly and just says things that you find frustrating. So this character in this comedy, Colin Robinson is an energy vampire. Here's a quick clip to show you what I'm talking about. Are we having a house meeting?
1: No, no. so, your gathering here is just a coincidence? Yes. I am what's known as a psychic vampire or energy vampire. Energy vampires drain people's energy merely by talking Jeez, to them. Actual versus budget year to date? No, thanks. You're going to be at that all day. The power grows stronger in him by the night. I'm just gonna do a quick mega feed and then I'll be right back. Mr.
2: Robinson, are you here? I'm
1: holding up a finger indicating to hold on a second. Uh, I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evie, E-V. Emotional vamp. oh hell. It's on Evie Russell. Oh, it's on. I like your skirt. You should be careful because mauve attracts
0: bees. I was wearing this skirt when my sister got her cancer diagnosis.
1: Cancer isn't usually what kills you. It's the treatment. She was killed by a drunk driver. He was my fiance. Violence often begins at home. Studies indicate. I've never
2: had a home.
1: We don't have to be enemies.
2: Have you ever considered hunting with a partner?
1: The thought has only recently crossed my mind. clip what is that <laughs> hey dudes it's me colin robinson your roommate oh uh, yeah Guillermo's here too he was running around peeing himself i didn't pee myself master i was walking by this hardware store and i says to myself colin you should go in and uh see if they have any umbrellas for the well made sure to keep the receipt i'm gonna probably take it back you can do that on non-food items is he zapping see our energy he's get some money for it. of he's
2: shut up do you not mind me
1: to say, I get, I'll i go. No, 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 no! no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> just giving you guys guff.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought of when I saw Kim Ayo just, and I walked down this street and I walked down that street and I saw a bouncy castle and they were dancing and that was illegal. He literally said it was illegal to dance in Ottawa without a permit and at that point the judge herself just had to weigh in and said, are you serious? But what's crazy to me is this guy's just rambling on. And they've got twenty odd more witnesses to go. Just they're just going to ramble. I don't even know what they're going to what they're going to say, um, because they. I mean, this is not a trial of a whole convoy. This is a trial of two individual people. Um, most famously, Tamara Leach, and this guy has never met or talked to or texted or interacted with Tamara Leach. And even as he was saying, "When well, I walked down the street, but I didn't gather evidence. I'm. I just did it as for observations." Well, if you if you just said You gathered no evidence if you didn't take notes if you if nothing why are you giving evidence if you just said you didn't collect evidence and the evidence is just a general complaint about the truckers you heard some honking we know that walter cronkite we know you know thanks for the the news update there was honking we know that can you please tell me how that goes to the criminal charge of inciting the shift of tamara leach and I don't know how long this judge is gonna let this go because she's a busy woman, a serious woman. There are serious matters in this court to deal with. There are real crimes in this city. There are people in prison awaiting their trial. There are real matters afoot. And to give such prosecutorial resources to to this laughable case, I, I mean, I I thought, am I wrong here? I mean, I don't practice law. I'm a former lawyer, but I I don't practice law. Do I really know these things? But I I I spoke to two lawyers who said, yeah, this is crazy. And then I walked in and there was a lady who introduced herself to me and said, she's been coming every day. And I said, well, you certainly must have a lot of patience if you're coming back every day. And she said that she's a former court reporter, like the stenographer who has to listen to all this stuff. And she says, she's never seen anything like it. Let me tell you one more anecdote. I I used to know a senior lawyer uh, who practiced defamation law, and he said he was never afraid of the defamation notices that were 20 pages long. He said he was afraid of the ones that were one or two sentences long. He said, because if someone's complaining about one specific thing, odds are they got you. But if they need 20 pages to tell you why you're wrong, odds are they got nothing. And that's what I was thinking about today. They've got more than 20 witnesses about how Tamara Leach is guilty, but I'm not sure if any of them have ever even met her. They're just telling these rambling stories like Colin Robinson, the energy vampire. And they're just going on and on and on. And it reminds me of what that senior lawyer said. If you've got the goods, you only need a few sentences. The very fact that they need two dozen witnesses says they don't have anything. And I think it's a sham that this continues this long. I did notice that the judge was starting to lose her patience. And I just can't imagine that she will allow this abomination of a prosecution to continue for the 80 days that will be needed if they stay on this page. I just can't believe that. And I hope that her experience in the Mark Norman case will inform her dealings in this case. Anyway, I'm enjoying being in court. I like live tweeting. You know me, I like, I was just the other day in court in Lethbridge for Arthur Pavlovsky's case. I love typing as fast as my fingers will fly. I love paying close attention to what the lawyers say and what the judges, I really enjoy it but I can't say I'm enjoying this because it's, there's nothing there. It's like a fog machine. This guy, Kim Aote, he wasn't saying anything. There was nothing to type. And so I was just left with my own mockery and cynical thoughts on the whole thing. I can only imagine what people who have to pay attention, like the lawyers and the judge are thinking. We heard from that former court reporter. Anyways, it's lunch break now, so I'll be back after lunch. Hi there. The trial is over for the day, but it will go on for many weeks, maybe even many months. It is going at a snail's pace. I have to say, listening to this city bureaucrat testify today, it was excruciating. And I'm not just talking about his tone of voice and his vagueness and his evasiveness. He literally had nothing to say about Tamara Leach. The words "Tamara Leach only came up once in the entire day when he confirmed he had never met her, spoken to her, emailed her, texted her. He literally knows nothing about Tamara Leach and yet she is on trial here. He meandered and talked about all of his deepest thoughts, his personal feelings about the lockdown. At one point he talked about going for a walk to observe things but not to collect evidence. Well, why is he giving evidence on that? Lawrence Greenspawn, the lawyer for Tamara Leeds, the lead lawyer, there's three of them, uh, cross examined AOT, and I didn't understand what was the point of it. I mean, AOT really had nothing of substance to say, but what became clear to me is that Greenspawn was proving that everything the truckers did when they came into Ottawa was approved by the Ottawa Police Service. Here, listen to what he said in a scrum a moment ago about how when they, what route they took, where they parked, what they did was all approved by the Ottawa Police. Take a look. You tell me if this is outside the scope of what you feel comfortable answering. I, I listened to the day's testimony by Kim Ayotte and I don't know how it touches on the guilt or not guilt of the the two accused. It sounds like he's just talking about the convoy. Help me out here.
1: Well, I I can't really help you out. That's the job of the crown is to tie the, tie the evidence of this witness and the other ones that have been called and will be called, to in support of their charges. That's that's the crown's job, and they've got to do it beyond a reasonable doubt. And the only time you heard uh, Tamara Leach's name today was. Uh, that he had had absolutely no contact with her. So,
0: at what at what point does do you object, or does the judge say, "Look, we just can't rehash the whole commission of inquiry. We've got to talk about the the two accused sitting in the in the dock."
1: Well, it's you know it, it, it's it's completely a different matter. I mean, what the commission was looking at, as as you know, is uh, the propriety of imposing the uh, emergency measures uh, act, and what we're talking about here is a uh, a trial on very specific charges for uh, Tamara and uh, for Chris. Do
0: you see how that's important? If the Ottawa police were working cooperatively with the truckers and approved everything the truckers did, how is that mischief? In fact, one of the most interesting things was that the Ottawa police said to the city bylaw officers, don't issue any tickets without our approval because we've got an agreement here. Look at Lawrence Greenspan say that in the scrum. Let me ask you, what does it mean when the city was not permitted to ticket without the approval of the police? What's the meaning of that?
1: Well, it's it's uh, you heard uh, Mr. Ayotte say that uh, the city basically was under the uh, direction uh, of the Ottawa Police Service, and that they were completely—the Ottawa Police Service was completely responsible for operations, uh, and the uh, and the City of Ottawa Police uh, told, oh, uh, told bylaw basically, you don't ticket in the red zone unless you have our approval, and they didn't.
0: What does that What does that mean, though? What What's the political or, or the import to your clients? I guess that's for us to figure out. Stay tuned. (laughs) I like Lawrence Greenspan. He's a smart lawyer and he's got patience and he's uh, got an attention span, which he's gonna need if this is indeed gonna go on for weeks or months. But what I don't understand is how it could do so. Look, I understand the prosecution has an empty gas tank here. I understand they wanna throw everything at this in the hope that something sticks. And I understand that they are being pushed to do so by their political masters. Justin Trudeau, the police, the mayors, everyone is demonized to Meryl Leach. So they have to push on with this prosecution, even if it has no legal basis. But does the court have to listen to it? And do the prosecutors have to continue on, even if they themselves come to believe that there is no reasonable prospect of conviction and that there really isn't any public interest in him? It's very interesting. I have to say this. I will not be back at this trial if this is how it goes. I'm delighted that I have colleagues with bigger attention spans than myself, but I simply can't bear listening to these, I'm gonna swear here, to these bullshitters, these bureaucrats, these, these people who have nothing to say about Tamara Leach because they never interacted with her. I don't give a care about what Kim Ayotte, some city bureaucrat, has to say in slow motion for hour after hour after hour, his personal reflections. And I heard a horn honk, and I went for a walk, and I saw a bouncy castle. I don't care. This isn't a therapy session, this isn't a dear diary, this is a criminal trial of Tamara Leach and her co-defendant, Chris Barber. And the two of them were barely mentioned today. I think Lawrence Greenspan is doing a good job by proving that what little uh, Kim Ayotte has to say uh, proves that the, the convoy was actually lawful. So I think he's done a good job in that. But I myself don't have patience for 80 more days Of fog and this is actually a disgrace to the prosecution you know in this city in recent weeks there have been murders there have been shootings there was a shooting at a funeral in this town and in this court police sit and they wait to testify to talk about a trucker convoy that we all know what happened they're sitting in here countless hours and countless days to come I've seen enough to know that this is a political trial, a show trial, a sham trial. There is no public interest here. If Tamara Leach was not famous, this matter would have been withdrawn or stayed months ago. I think what happened is an out of control, maniacal prosecutor named Moise Kashimji put this train in motion. He scared his own bosses that they pulled him off the file and handed it to two slightly less maniacal prosecutors, but they're stuck with it. And I think they feel compelled to see it through because they're so, it would lose too much face for them to pull out now. But I say this, I have never been as confident as I am now that Tamara Leach will be acquitted. And even watching this judge slowly lose her patience with the BS Of these government witnesses is an amazing thing to see every person in this courtroom is getting paid by the way the judge the prosecutors these government bureaucrats who are testifying every person except for Tamara Leach and her husband because the process is the punishment I think maybe that's it maybe the reason the prosecution is calling dozens of witnesses who will take months to go through is simply that this Is the sentence they know she'll be acquitted they know she'll be vindicated they they know that I think it's 52 days in prison now or 49 days in prison that she served is punishment for a crime she did not commit so they know that she's gonna walk free at the end of this trial so they're gonna make the trial itself the punishment taxpayers are being punished a long way along the way and every other justice-seeking Ottawa and everyone else in this city who says, can I please have some policing for a real crime? They are being taken advantage of too. Anyway, that's my report from here in Ottawa. Maybe I have too short an attention span and I should be listening rapturously when this city bureaucrat gives us his personal take on what it felt like to hear the horns honking. But frankly, I don't give a damn. Luckily, I've got colleagues who will be here to report on the rest of the trial. It's a very important trial for us to do. I'm standing outside the Ottawa courthouse where I was in prison today. No, I wasn't technically in prison, but it sure felt like a prison. I had to hear some bloviating bureaucrat emote all day about how the horn honking made him feel. It had nothing to do with Tamara Leach's trial and everything to do with him expiating his frustration that the peasants came to the capital city and honked their horns at him. Anyways, something else more important and more interesting was going on in this town. I don't know about more important. It's important that Tamara Leach be acquitted and vindicated, which I believe will come. But in Ottawa, in Calgary, in Vancouver, in Edmonton, in Regina, in Hamilton, in Toronto, in Montreal, across this country, we had 14 reporters in seven cities following the million-person march in support of kids and. Parental rights against this gender queer extremism that targets kids for it's just so crazy and Lincoln You were there on Parliament Hill. I was trapped in this courtroom today So I couldn't really follow it. I was retweeting your stuff Why don't you give our viewers a a couple of minutes of updates of what you saw? And then we'll throw to some video clips that you took so why don't you just tell us in your own words what happened?
2: So today we attended the 1 million March for children and as you mentioned these were marches that were happening all across canada so myself uh robert krajcheck kian Simone, we were at the ottawa march okay and i have not seen this many people on parliament hill since the freedom convoy the truckers convoy i also haven't seen the amount of police that we saw since the freedom convoy uh tons and tons and tons of canadians were there to basically speak out, protest, demonstrate against the indoctrination and sexualization uh, of their children in schools, whether it's the school curriculum, the gender ideology, they're just here to take a stance. And it was welcomed with uh, many counter demonstrators who simply believe that there's nothing wrong with what's going on in our schools. So it was uh, was a bit bit of a contrast.
0: Now, um, as always, or as usual, people who say they're against hate and against violence. Well, they're often the haters and the violent ones. Tell us about some of the physical scuffles that happened on the Hill.
2: Yeah, well, one that happened uh, to myself and to Keenan and, and I was, uh, we saw Jagmeet was... Uh, the leader of the NDP. Yeah, Jagmeet, sorry. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, was standing with the counter demonstrators. So we wanted to hopefully have a chance to speak to him. So. We couldn't get very far. We probably stepped about five feet. Let me just explain. So the counter demonstrators are on one side. The demonstrators are on one side. So the police were splitting them up, tons of police. So we tried to step maybe five feet into the other side, I guess where we're not welcomed, and we were quickly stopped. Stopped by whom? So I, one of the counter demonstrators, a, a lady who basically just told us not to go any further, which was followed by another man who was very, very aggressive. I'm sure we'll be able to show some of the footage, but he got right in our face, asked us what the heck we were doing there, why are we there, grabbed my camera, grabbed it again and tossed my, tried to toss my camera down. Luckily, I had it around my neck. If I didn't have the camera around my neck, that thing would have dropped for sure because of the amount of force that was used. So that's the one thing I don't understand. These people, they claim they want rights for everybody. They want to protect their kids, protect quote unquote trans kids. But it seems that the demonstrators are the ones that are the peaceful ones, and there's a lot more anger coming from the counter demonstrators. Just my observations.
0: So you say there was a ton of cops, and there was sort of the two sides were kept apart, and that sounds good. Again, I haven't really seen it. I've been in this court all day. But did the police see that Antifa trans guy? Uh, Put hands on you and your stuff did the cops see that
2: no, I don't think any cops saw I'm not sure for certain, but we're kind of behind a bit of a crowd So I think we were tucked away, so I don't know if they saw we hurt. No, we have the footage though We have my camera angle. We have Kean's camera angle, so We have it all covered right so a couple other things to note There was a few people detained as well at the protest. What were they detained for so I don't know if they were arrested detained but they were definitely taken into police custody for a short period of time but there seemed to be some sort of a feud between flags being one of the rainbow flags i'm not sure what type of rainbow flag i saw
0: a flag get stomped on was that right. one of the things
2: yes which ultimately led to the flag being stomped on and it just led to a kerfuffle and next thing you know police were dragging a uh, a younger gentleman outside of the protest and they took him away and ultimately i don't know if they arrested him or what happened i guess we might find out
0: now uh, there are some colorful characters on both sides. I, I think on the pro-family side, the colorful characters. I, I think, for example, of the young guy Josh Alexander. You know, maybe I shouldn't call him a colorful character because that implies that that uh, it's a checkerboard color. Where I, I mean, there's a principled young man who's been kicked out of his own Catholic school for standing up against the trans ideology. He's routinely physically attacked by the other side, and he sort of takes it as. A, as a punching bag, and I've never seen him fight back, uh, which is sort of amazing for him to, to go in as a kind of sacrificial lamb to prove a point. Very interesting young man. Did you see him on Parliament Hill? And if so, was he targeted? Maybe I'm not describing him properly. I like the guy if it's not clear. Tell me what happened to him if you saw anything.
2: I didn't see anything happen to Josh Alexander. I don't think any uh, altercations, any confrontations actually happened with Josh Alexander. But Josh is really a trailblazer in this whole movement, student activist kicked out of his high school has had all sorts of trouble for standing up against the gender ideology that we're seeing being pushed in school. so kudos to Josh and we did an excellent interview with Josh Robert interviewed Josh that you'll be able to see in the full report that we release
0: okay great and how about other folks uh, for example was Billboard Chris there I think pastor Henry Hildebrandt was there tell me if you saw any other names from the freedom movement
2: yep well so we saw Maxime Bernier was the only politician that I saw there now I might be wrong about that there may have been other politicians but the only politician that I saw was Maxime Bernier a lot of people were asking where Pierre Polyev was a lot of people were asking that wasn't there I guess people are wondering where he stands on this so we did also speak to the organizer of the protest and who is that uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head.
0: A student, activist, a Muslim person, I understand. Was that who was a Muslim activist?
2: Yes, yes. And uh, I believe he's been running or he's been organizing some of the movements that we're seeing. Well, that's
0: very interesting because in the past, Justin Trudeau has counted on the Muslim demographic as a voting block. I see today Trudeau put out a tweet just calling folks transphobes and homophobes. There was a distinct Muslim presence in many of the cities. Uh, In fact, there was a video clip, maybe it was yours, I saw some Mennonites walking next to some Muslim women in hijabs in sort of a a common cause. If I was Justin Trudeau, I would be careful about calling anyone who objects to gender ideology a transphobe, a homophobe, because I'm gonna guess that that's 80, 90% of the Muslim community. And Trudeau is basically telling them that they're hateful.
2: Well, yeah, you bring up a really good point that I want to share with the viewers, is that this protest, just like the trucker's convoy, it's people from all walks of life, all flavors. Every single type of person is here. And it's not about vaccines. It's not about anything. This is something that a lot more people are able to jump on board with and stand behind, because it's very, very obvious that something really strange and not right is happening in our schools in canada
0: you know the trucker convoy was two things that trudeau is not it was ethnically diverse and it was working class and i sense that this movement here this uh parents movement is ethnically diverse and it may be working class as well since the the fancy PhD. you need a phd to believe gender theory like there's some things that are so dumb that you have to have a phd to believe it so i would imagine that there was some overlap Uh, demographically between this and the and the trucker convoy and it's I think it's dangerous business for Trudeau to smear it when Trudeau starts calling people transphobes or homophobes you know he's sort of in his go-to panic mode change the subject lash out I don't know if it's working anymore
2: no no and uh, if you're on the ground here you can really see that the the names the name calling that Trudeau the labeling that Trudeau the the division that Trudeau tries to create it's not working we saw that today people are very fed up with what's going on with the government and everything that's stemming below because of the federal government the liberal government so a lot of people have questions there's not a lot of answers and uh... it's kind of a gray area we don't know if this uh... gender ideology the sexualization the indoctrination is going to continue in schools if there's anybody that's going to be able to put a stop to this because right now it seems like it's full steam ahead and uh... We don't know what the future has in store.
0: Well, very interesting. And like I say, you were one of 14 journalists that we had deployed across the country, which is actually the largest project we've done since the trucker convoy. When I, If I recall, we actually had like 19 people in the field. It is a huge national movement. It's... Sometimes uh, I call it the under news. What I mean by that is it's the news that real people talk about, but the regime media, you know, they want to talk about global warming and they want to talk about Ukraine and they want to talk about um, anything other than what real people are talking about. It's the kind of news that percolates beneath the surface. It was the same way with the trucker convoy. The fancy pants journalists were scared and they stayed up in their towers and they didn't dare come down with the, uh, you know, the ruffians. I think there's a similar. Uh, a similar thing going on now let me ask you about that did you see any regime media by which I mean CBC CTV global uh, even these days I put post media in their Globe and Mail Toronto Star did you see any regime media
2: Yep, mainstream uh, mainstream media regime media legacy media whatever you want to call them they were oh you did yep they were on the ground there uh, yeah, they were, uh, they were reporting on it. They were in the streets reporting on it. Now, what's going to come out of those reports? I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see if there's a narrative that they're trying to push or a narrative created. But I guess time will tell, and we'll, we'll see in the days ahead what kind of perspective they're putting on the, on the protest.
0: Well, that's an improvement over their uh, convoy coverage where they just huddled under their desks and were afraid of the honking. Well, Lincoln, great to catch up with you. Thanks very much. I'm sorry that you were physically aggressed uh, today, but thank God. It, look, it sounds like you were more shocked uh, and uh, surprised than hurt. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's just the camera. It was just the camera, and it was more of a shock than anything because I never had my camera grabbed so aggressively. I was
0: I'm glad you had the strap on around your neck. Although I hope that didn't hurt. You know the the violence you just suffered there is more violence than the entire trucker convoy committed in its entire duration. The If any side calls themselves anti-hate, that's generally code that they are actually the haters. They're co-opting that word. Well, listen, my friend, uh, congrats on your work here. And um, I have a new respect for what you and Robert Krejcik have been doing every day, covering the the Tamara Leach trial. Uh, I love covering trials I've done I've covered trials in different cities actually around the world including in the UK I, I, I love it I'm a former lawyer myself I love digging in but this is one of the most useless trials I've ever seen in my life. The witnesses have nothing to say about Tamara Leach they, they had no dealings with her they're just giving rambling you know therapy sessions about the convoy I, I myself couldn't even stand one day of it so I salute you guys for, for being there day after day keep it up folks uh, um, that's the show for today. On behalf of uh, all of us here in the nation's capital and across the country in seven different cities, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.